live from the Mecca of Mormonism, Salt Lake City, Utah. This is Heart of the Matter, where Mormonism meets biblical Christianity face to face. And I'm your host, Sean McCraney. We thank the true and living God for allowing us to be a part of this ministry. We pray that he will be with you and us tonight as we embark on a very special program. Got to be quick with the announcements tonight because we have uh, a guest with us. So first, join us on Sundays at campus. We're going to go through these quick. There you go. Second, listen to AM820. It's a good radio station. Third, buy our stuff online. It's good stuff. Fourth, Les Feldick is speaking in Utah. Check him out. Fifth, I'm speaking in Idaho. Don't drive up there. Sixth, new t-shirts uh, available. They're great. Sixth, all this information is available at hotm.tv. And finally, after the show tonight, tune in for another segment of Transitions. You can find out more information about that on uh, that website you just saw. After last week's program, we saw a real sifting of some of the faithful L um, Heart of the Matter viewers that we've had over the years. A number of them saying that we crossed the line with the Romney spoof that we showed. And uh, some of them said that they are never going to tune in again. Uh, it was ironic that on last week's program, we spoke about how Christians establish their ethic that it is not based uh, on uh, teleological ethics, which is, it's not based on results, it is based on um, duty. It's deontological ethics. Uh, in the end, we are always sorry to see faithful viewers say they're gonna go, but it's okay. We are deontologically driven, not teleologically. In other words, we are not motivated by popular results, don't care. Uh, we are motivated by what is right and what is true according to this book, uh, not according to anything else. That includes my opinions. So in the context, the context of Mr. Romney being an active, faithful, prototypical Latter-day Saint, the video clip was right on because most active, faithful, prototypical Latter-day Saints, when they speak, they don't mean what they're saying. They're saying something different. It's doublespeak, and that was the purpose of that humorous clip. By the way, we didn't do that. that someone gave that to us. Uh, so in, in no way it was an endorsement of Obama uh, or a disendorsement of Romney. It was just about his Mormonism. So um, I would imagine as time moves on, more and more people will be doing channel changing uh, and write and tell us that they're done watching, but we're not going to budge. We're going to keep doing what we do until someone yanks the plug or whatever. Uh, and we're going to do it according to his word. So speaking of his word, how about a moment from the word? We left off last week in John 15 talking about the vine and the branches. Jesus said, you can do nothing without me. Tonight, I just want to read one verse that comes right after. It's where Jesus says in John 15, 12, this is my commandment. It's really simple. That you love one another as I have loved you. Many are people are under the impression that when Jesus was on the earth, he flew, threw out flower petals and handed out baskets of fruit wherever he went. And that's what his mission and ministry was about. And since he commanded us this new commandment to love, we have to ask, how did Jesus love? What examples do we have in the book of how Jesus loved? First and foremost, since Jesus is God um, and God is love, I think we can reasonably say, without exception, 
that everything Jesus did was founded on love. Everything, okay? So with that as the ground rule, we know he told his disciples that they should love each other. That's the first rule. That's 1 Corinthians 15, love. That is when you love a fellow believer and all those 1 Corinthians 13 um, applications fall in line. We're long-suffering, we uh, seek no guile, and all those things that 1 Corinthians 13 talks about. That's the first premise of love that Jesus taught. Uh, the second application is we are to love our neighbor as ourselves, whether they are believers or not. And he modeled that teaching by giving us the uh, teaching of the Good Samaritan, where someone came along and, and the guy said, well, who's my neighbor? And he gives the teaching of the Good Samaritan. He said, this is who your neighbor is, and that who you help, that who you serve. That's who, that's who you're going to uh, uh, extend yourself for with that type of love. Third, he showed us how to love our enemies. And he said, you know, you got to forgive them. And he, uh, he showed us this personally when they beat him, when he turned the other cheek, uh, when he asked that the Father forgive them for they know not what they do. Uh, all of those things showed another form of his love. And finally, our Lord showed, exemplified, and proved his love by teaching the truth. And uh, directly, without equivocation, and sometimes painfully to those who need to hear it. There were times when he overturned tables and uh, in the temple out of love. There were times when he made a whip and he drove people, the money changers, out. He called the Pharisees and scribes, hypocrites, fools, blind, uh, whited sepulchers full of dead, dried bones, uh, children of the devil bound for hell, because he loved them. So this is another form with him being loved, because he loved him. So in addition to loving our other believers without exception, to loving neighbor as ourself, to loving our enemies, uh, sometimes the most loving thing we can do is even in harsh tones at times, share the truth with people so that the blinders can come off so their ears can become unplugged and they can have a direct relationship with him, not with any intermediaries in between him and a human, but just straight to him. I think this is a fitting teaching when we consider the Mormon Christian debate and even maybe possibly with our guests tonight. So with that, let's have a word of prayer. Father God, we uh, come to you and seek you at this time that your spirit will be here in abundance with our staff and volunteers, with our audience members here in TV land, on YouTube, streaming video, and that we will be able to have clarity. We will be able to see and hear and know the truth because the truth will set people free. We pray for this, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, as you've seen, we have a very special guest tonight. We mentioned it last week, and uh, he goes by the name of Christopher. So uh, come on up, Christopher. We want to, uh, there's applause, so feel free. Can I reach it? Here you go. We're getting Christopher's microphone on. Let me just tell you what happened. Uh, a few years ago, I read an article in City Weekly, and it talked about uh, Ida Smith, who I talked to on the phone, and, and Christopher. And, and so I made a comment on the show. Christopher then went and he uh, made a, a YouTube video and said, I would like to be on. You're right. You're going to be right here, my friend. Right here. I would, I would like to be on like this man's you. show. 
And so uh, we made contact, and uh, I'm going to have you move over. Just, I'm sorry, we didn't, we don't stage anything here. Uh, there we are. When we and I are talking, we'll be on that one. And when you're just talking, you can look at that one, and I'll look at this one, and we'll be all right. All right? I'm with you. All right, excellent, excellent. Thank you for being here. Really appreciate yeah. it. So uh, listen, we've had a couple quick conversations over the phone, and you certainly are very sure of yourself. Uh, you, uh, you told me that you know more about the Bible than any man alive, more about the Book of Mormon, and, and Joseph Smith, I think you said you knew more about him, powerful words. Do our audience a favor, uh, Christopher, and go back and just kind of tell them your story prior to coming out of Mormonism. When you are faithful, active as a kid, your family, give them some history so that they know what we're dealing with. I've done that with myself. Take your time. It's a simple, I was just a, a normal Mormon boy. I grew up in the church. My family was pretty uh, well known back in the 70s. I had a grandfather that ran for Salt Lake City mayor, an uncle who was a professional basketball player. And it's just a, your, your typical, normal LDS lifestyle that I led. Went on a mission to Buenos Aires, Argentina. Uh, I think the difference that might be made between me and other Mormons is that I was serious about my religion. I studied the scriptures all the time. The Book of Mormon was my favorite scripture. I read the Bible cover to cover, even got through numbers and all the yep. other parts. <laughs> but um, what happened when I returned from my mission, I, I took some of the covenants that I made in the LDS temple very seriously. And one of those covenants is that you concentrate everything that you have, everything that you are, to, of course, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Mm -hmm. And I took that seriously. And uh, with that, I dropped out of school. I was going to the University of Utah. I wanted to be an attorney. And I, I wanted to dedicate my life to the pr protection of, do I speak to you or, I mean, How I, do you feel comfortable? I'm I just like talking at, to you, man. All right, talk to me. Okay, so uh, it's better that way. You're a real person. But anyway, and, and that's what led me to want to just dedicate my life to the LDS Church uh -huh. by becoming employed by them. And uh, it was my desire to, to perhaps one day protect the general authorities, like in the security department. Hmm. So uh, we don't have time really to go into specifics, but it was almost a, a, what people would call a miraculous way that I became a security officer. It was very, very interesting, and I'll, I'll write that in my autobiography if anyone's really interested. So you were, you were devoted uh, through your teen years, participated, you have the leadership callings, all the things. Uh, every, that everything you can name. Everything just you can a, name. It's just a typical Mormon kid okay. uh, who, who uh, like I said, if you could make me different in any way or, or put a difference on me, it was that I was very dedicated to my religion. I see. But it was that, of course, that led me to become a security officer for the LDS Church. Okay. I was involved in church security in the, in the 80s. Okay. Uh, uh, I was sitting at my security desk in the uh, genealogy library uh -huh. when I heard the bomb go off that Mark Hoffman blew up that was then the Deseret Gym, near the Deseret Gym. Uh -huh. They'd almost blew him, blew him up. Huh. And it was through that experience, as we began, as the security department began to get involved with the FBI and the, the federal authorities trying to figure out, and the Salt Lake authorities trying to figure out what was going on, that I began to do my own little investigation because I could see that many of the leaders of the church were not telling the truth about what, what went on, what was going on. Okay. But here, I'm, I would have, I would have uh, defended any leader of the church with all of my heart 
You're devout. I Porter de Rockwell oh, of the church. Devout. That's what I wanted to pattern my life after. Of course, I was fed the, the history that the LDS Church gives you. Right. And, and uh, so it was basically, I came to the conclusion that there were things that weren't right. Uh, I, too, was at that time what you would call a Christian who believed in, in Christ, that, that he was a certain way. Okay. And uh, I couldn't imagine that any of the leaders of the LDS Church had any semblance of Christ as I got to know them behind the scenes. I see. Of course, in public, they present a different persona than they do behind the scenes. But anyway, it, the, the, simple, the simple end of the story is in June of 1987, I, in turmoil, because of investigating many of the things that I discovered by, by going through the Mark Hoffman investigation, I was just in complete turmoil because huh. I knew that there was something wrong. And uh, I didn't... What were a couple of the things you knew that were wrong? Just oh. thumbnail, just... Well, the, the, the general authorities in and of themselves, the LDS general authorities, they do not act in private like they do in public. Okay. Okay, and, uh, and they're not bad people. They're, they're not. Uh -huh. They're simply people who, who believe they're doing the right thing. N none of them know that they're, they talk to God. I mean, I've heard the comments before. There hasn't been any general authority since Joseph Smith who has said, I saw an angel, the angel told me this, this is what's up, folks. They just say a revelation was handed down or whatever they might do. So I began to see some, some things that just didn't add up to a, with a person's common sense and with a person's honesty. Okay. But that basically led me to, to lose my faith in everything. It was one night as I, uh, I cross-trained cross I was in the temple at the time, and I met in a room that was just for the 12 apostles to meet in. Twelve high back chairs. Each of them had their portrait hung on this room. I've heard that and story. I didn't know. Yeah, I've heard that story. But the, I, the big portraits of themselves. Yes. I mean, and there were the scriptures right there, and at that Would point... Would you say they were egocentric? You know, that's what I felt at the time, mm -hmm. of course. I felt at the time. But in their minds, for all, with, with giving them the due respect... Mm -hmm. They feel that they are God's chosen leaders. Okay, uh, none of them feel, have seen. Do you feel they deserve respect? I, I feel that all human beings do. Okay. All human beings do. Right. So tell us what happens. You, you, you've had the crushing blow. Eighty-seven. You don't believe anymore. So then, take us what happened. Tell, take us into the, um, uh, the, the next phase of Christopher's life. Basically, the same thing happened to me that happened to Joseph Smith. Okay. I got on my knees, distraught, crying, not knowing what to think. And uh, I, I just cried and mm. prayed right there in that room. Mm. And sure enough, there appeared a person, a human being. A human being. That I recognized at the time as Joseph Smith. Okay. Off to the side, it was off to my left a little bit, there was a, a personage that appeared to be like my grandpa. Mm -hmm. I was close to my grandfather, mm -hmm. uh, Joseph Nephi Namelka. And he just seemed to stand there, you know, and I think it was more, I know what it was for now, but at the time it calmed me because I didn't know what was going on because the personage that was there, it was a lot different than the Mormons' view of Joseph Smith. Okay, the Mormons, of course, I've said this before, and in all respect to you, Mormons have deified Joseph Smith. You've demonized him. I'm right there to show you what really happened. Oh, okay. Okay. And you can do so, this because you've seen him. Well, the fact is, something had to occur. Okay. Okay, something had to happen because the LDS people do not have the truth. They do not have any semblance of the true history or of what really happened back then, who Joseph Smith really was, what he really did. Uh, neither do the critics. 
The so critics, how do you have it? Talking to Joseph Smith. So in a conversation, he appeared to you in the uh, apostles' room. You were weeping and crying. You're crying out to God. Joseph, grandfather, Joe, Nephi, they appear. And from that, and did you have further engagements with Joseph? Well, what happened was this. Automatically, as an LDS person, you're thinking you're getting deceived. Okay. You're thinking that Lucifer is appearing to you in an angel of light. Did you do the handshake? I was too, it was too overwhelming at that time. No, wait, wait, you... No, I didn't. You no, did? Let me explain okay, what happened. Okay. You're asking me what I, happened? I, I know, but I just yeah. said, did you do it? Because no. I would have I first done the handshake. I didn't have to. Of course, he, being an advanced human being, perceived my thoughts. Okay. He reached out and touched my right temple. And okay. at that moment, my entire world changed. I was, uh, all, you, all I can describe it as, the easiest way that I can describe it is a very advanced technology that rearranged certain dendrites in my brain that allowed me to remember things from past lives. And that's why I remembered, wait a minute here. What is, I knew everything. At that moment, the whole world transformed into a realistic uh, observance of what it really is, what's really going on. Okay. And I wasn't afraid anymore. This image of my grandfather disappeared at that time. Okay. Of course, that was used to calm my heart. And at that point, then I, I knew what was, what was going on. I see. Okay. And with that, the sealed portion was mentioned, that I was to translate the sealed portion of the Book of Mormon. Okay, let me interrupt you one second. Okay. Just so our audience knows, the, the Book of Mormon came uh, a gold place, and Joseph described a portion that had a band or bands over it that were not, he wasn't able to, to get into, an, and they call it the sealed portion. And so what Christopher is saying is that this was brought to him. Was it still bound? The, the, the plates were there okay. at that time. I mean, they did appear at that point. At that point, the bands were around the sealed part, the two-thirds, okay. and those bands were broke. But I knew at the, that point what the Book of Mormon was all about, what the sealed portion was about. Let me try to explain it very briefly so that you know, because you don't know what it is. Oh, no, any, I any LDS? I have absolutely no idea, Chris, There you go. About. Well, I believe that you, you've probably read the Book of Mormon, and a Mormon should understand what the sealed portion is. I don't understand the sealed portion at all. Uh, I'm Tell sure, us. I'm sure you don't. Look. Let me help you. All right. First of all, we're not going to have the time to really get into... This one, we're not going to have the time to get into the, the true purpose for the Book of Mormon. Okay. But this is something that I'm going to, in brevity, help your listeners to understand. And it's something that you never pr probably put together. No. The Book of Mormon. Now, I'm not going to try to debate. I'm not with debating. Your, no, I'm wait, just wait, wait, wait. I'm just trying to help. Okay. I don't want to, to assume that I'm going to convince you that the Book of Mormon is anything but an invention from Joseph Smith. Okay. okay I think that's what you've been telling your viewers. Well, and that's fine. Let's go with that. Right. But well, why what do you know? I don't care. Don't care about what okay, I. I'm going to tell you, you the truth. Think? All right, tell us the truth. All right, I'm going to tell you. But why was it? Why did he do what he did? Okay. Why did Joseph Smith do what he did? What was his motive? His motive. Okay. Here to was the motive. It's very simple. Okay, I'm going to just give it to you how it is. When he was a teenage boy, his mind was susceptible to learn more so than an adult who has all the filters placed from their prejudice. Okay. that they gained from their time being a youth and in church. Joseph Smith didn't have any of those. Okay. Joseph Smith was visited by an advanced human being whom the world would recognize as Christ. Well, that's what the world would recognize him as. Okay. He sat down with Joseph Smith as a teenager and told Joseph Smith, this is what's up. Pretty much telling him that there's other humans out there, there's other societies, other worlds out there. 
And of course, he gave the counsel to that 14 and a half year old kid that you probably don't want to talk about these things to anybody at this time. We have something for you to do. Okay, and with that, a few years later, you know the story, the Moroni story and all these things, but you also know something that the critics know, that Joseph Smith's own testimony of what happened during that quote-unquote first vision mm -hmm. changed. Yes, it did. Okay, there were like three different versions that you can verify. Well, there was a heck of a lot more than that. Right. And it wasn't until near about 1838 that he finally panned out what he wanted people to think. And what was the motive for the change? Now I'll tell you the motive. Okay. The whole purpose for advanced human beings to intercede at that time was to bring some semblance, semblance of equality to the races of the world. Okay, the Bible controlled the world. White race controlled the Bible. That's just how it was. Okay. The people, the so-called Christians, were slave owners. Okay. They weren't very good people as we would see them now. Okay. But that's all they knew. They knew it from the Bible. They had the Bible stories. Okay. Joseph Smith's mission was to, to basically become the Moses of the latter days and do exactly follow the same pattern in real life as what happened in the Old Testament with the Jews. Okay. You're a Bible student. I think that's what you are. Well, I don't know. You I, see? I, I read it. So this is what happened. And you can correct me if I'm wrong, but what I say, when I say it, especially when it's being video recorded, it is true. Moses tells the people, hey, you guys can be endowed from on high and know all there is to know about God. All you got to do, let's go up and talk to him. Okay. And the people said, no, 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 no. We don't want that. We want you to do that. So, I don't remember the passage where it says that, but keep going. This is the, you'll get it. Go back and read it, and you'll see it. So the people were a little bit afraid. They didn't want to talk to God. Okay. They were afraid, Moses, you get up there and talk to God. We'll talk to you. Okay. All righty then. God was pretty upset. This is your Bible. This yeah. is the, and now remember, in the Book of Mormon, it talks about Joseph being the modern-day Moses. Mm -hmm. He was to follow the same thing. Okay. The LDS people just seem to forget that part of the Book of Mormon. Why do you suppose that is? Because, well, let's get into that in a minute. Let okay. me finish what okay. happens so you know. Continue okay? on. Because the seal portion comes into this. Okay. Okay. So that's all Joseph did at first. He was to tell the people, you know what? You can know all the mysteries of God till you know them in full. You can know everything there is to know about God. But the people, no, 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 we want a religion. Hmm. Joseph says, all righty then. And he was supposed to give them a religion. Hmm. He gave them a religion. This is all based. I could bring up scripture in the Book of Mormon that talks about all these things. Joseph Smith did exactly what Moses did. Okay. And what did Moses do? Did Moses enter the promised land? No. no. Did the people that followed him enter the promised land? No. Yeah. Were they condemned by God for what they did? Yes. Did they have the higher law? No. They had a bunch of ordinances. They had all this lower law because all they want to do is listen to Moses. Okay, bring yourself into the picture. All right, I'm going to. We only have an hour. All right, I know we've got to do this. There's a lot to it. Bring it in. Okay, so the Book of Mormon okay. was put together to teach the people of the world that the darker-skinned races are just as equal in God's eyes as the white-skinned races. Mm -hmm. Thus, the story was presented, the story that is based partially on fact. Okay, can I ask a question? Yes. Thank you. Uh, why then does the Book of Mormon use skin color and skin tone in a derogatory manner towards those who are disobedient if it was pro-racist? Because the Bible does the same thing. The Book of Mormon was to, to convince Bible, Bible believers. And when you understand the story of the Book of Mormon, okay. it leads up, it tells a story similar to the Bible until it gets to one very important part okay. that Joseph hoped the people would get. 
And that was when Christ came down and taught the same things that he taught to the Jews. And that's why Joseph Smith took Matthew 5, 6, and 7, uh-huh. interpolated into the Book of Mormon as 3 Nephi 11, or 12, 13, yeah. and 14. Yeah. Word for word. If you read the story correctly, it's all about these wars and people treating the black and the whites different, the Lamanites and the Nephites. Mm -hmm. It's a story, Mm -hmm. okay? But it's based on this idea that perhaps we can get people to think maybe the darker-skinned races are from just, or or have a heritage that that belongs to a God-chosen group of people just like the whites do. And that's what it says. Okay. So, you're a proponent of equality among the races, I'm gathering. Yes, but let's get to the sealed portion. Okay, Okay. back to the sealed portion. The sealed portion is the fail-safe for the Book of Mormon. A fail-safe is this. A fail-safe, folks, if you don't know, most people don't, you put a fail-safe in a piece of machinery. You have an intended, intended purpose for a piece of machinery, and you put something in there in case the purpose isn't met, the fail-safe kicks in, and will hopefully and usually proceed to make the machinery do what it's supposed to do or shut it down. Okay, I got to hold on now. So the fail-safe we get, uh, the sealed portion I'm getting, you're coming into that. Do you believe that the Book of Mormon was from a real people? It was based, loosely based on historical evidence, yes. Okay, and do you believe the Bible uh, to be the Word of God? No. Your mouth said no. No. Okay. All right, no. Okay. It's not. Interesting. I don't this believe is, the Book of Mormon. Very interesting. Now, I don't believe the Book of Mormon be the Word of God either, and that's what I'm trying okay. to get to. Yeah, right. It was a history that he used to bring the vehicle no. forward to get his ideas forward. Let's put it how it is. Okay. okay. Put it how it is. Okay. Joseph Smith. Onward Christian soldiers. Now, now the, the truth is, see, this is, this is where the, you know from my story and from the work that I do, and especially there's a lot of people in that audience that are staunch LDS people. They were going to church just like anybody else. They believed in that until they read the sealed portion. Now, let me explain the failsafe again. So the intent of the Book of Mormon was to lead people to Christ, to those words that he taught. That's it. It it, it culminated in that. And when you know the story correctly, I'm not going to get into that. The failsafe, in case the people rejected the Book of Mormon for what it was intended to to do, was the sealed portion. Okay. Okay, Joseph. Tell us how the sealed portion came about. So the sealed portion was that fail-safe. How did it come about? He, he showed it to you. You saw the bands were off. What Did you translate? I've read two things. I've read you translated it. I heard Joseph dictated it. No, is, Joseph didn't dictate. No you, dictating? You have to get it through a Urim and Thummim. And so, where it came from, a Urim and Thummim is simply a cell phone. It's like this. If this was in Russian, okay, I took your I cell phone. I left my Urim and Thummim in the car. I, I wanted to see There it. you go. <laughs> well, I mean, you have to think of it this way. We have technology now in these days yeah. that we didn't have thousands of years ago. That's true. So how do you know in thousands and thousands of years they're going to have something very, very sophisticated? But that logic takes us back. You would think the Urim and Thummim would be more uh, elementary, and we would advance in our knowledge, but the Urim and Thummim is an amazing now, thing. Now, wait a minute. There are two rocks. Yeah, that's and, amazing that you can look in those and, and translate with them. That's not how it works. Okay, tell us how it works. Uh, just like a cell phone would. So there you are put them on humans, the ears or no, what? No, no, no. There are human beings in other solar systems, okay? Other more advanced than we are. Just like we have the capability to use a cell phone to call perhaps China, okay? okay? With a Urim and Thummim, it's been on the earth for thousands of years. It's for a true messenger. Okay. It's disguised as rocks because back in the day, you're not going to have this advanced technology because people go, what the heck is that? I'm assuming they've made a glass. 
They're, no, they're made of a quartz. Quartz. Okay, okay. that usually okay. is, if, if you, I gave you that Urim and Thummim, and you were you, to put it under, one? of course I have the Urim and Thummim, not with me. Do you have? I have the Urim and Thummim, the exact Urim and Thummim that, that was Joseph used, used. That Joseph used. And that was in the Old Testament? No. Because that book wasn't true? No. Okay. No, Just keep trying to keep track of this. Okay. Right, keep right. going. So all we're trying. I, 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 I'm sorry. I have to tell the audience. Now we have, uh, I don't know how many, maybe a couple dozen maybe more people here who follow Christopher. Oh, wait okay. just a minute. They don't follow me anywhere. Let's get that right. There's no following, no church, no cult. They simply I, received information and changed, their whole world changed because of the information. Well, they're here. They're, they're here because of the and challenge that was made. And I'm willing to bet they give you support. No, I don't need their support. I bet they do give you support, though. They do support. Okay, they so do, do, yeah. they follow his teaching, whether it's him or not. I just want to point out to the audience that this following that is learned within the LDS to follow what the inspiration is of the, the new leader, Joseph was one, Christopher is another. I am not, I'm not saying anything yet on his story. I'm just pointing out that when you remove yourself from something that gives you an anchor, you'll follow Anything. Now, wait just a minute. Anything. See, Sean, you're making an assumption what no, these people I haven't think. Yet. I, I'm not making you're, an assumption. You're, you're makes, telling your viewers what these people think. All I know is they think. support you, and they're here. No, they so read, you have impressed them with your story. Am I wrong or right? They've read the sealed portion. Okay, am I wrong or Okay, that's part of your story. Am I wrong or right? You're, you're changing words up to, I'm not to, make it, to make it seem. Now, you want to get back. Do these people follow your story first, or not? They do follow the that's story. That's all I'm saying. Okay. All right, let's continue but we, on. we have to get back to what the sealed portion is. Go ahead. Because neither tell, you tell the audience. nor the Mormons know what it is. I, we, I don't okay. know what it is. Yeah, well, I'm so trying please, to explain it. If you'll let me explain it. Go that, ahead. Go ahead. Okay? The Bible, there's been no, no compilation of literature as corruptive to human nature. Whiskey, please. Than the Bible. None. You can go through there. We can go to Deuteronomy, and we can show you all kinds of cities that the Lord commanded the chosen people to kill. No good. Bible, no good. But this is... Right? No, I didn't say that. The well, Bible not, obviously has some impact on people's but emotions. But in Deuteronomy, it talks about innocents being killed. Wait, so wait. That's what you no, use no, as your wait, example. Just a minute. You, you use that as your example. Sean, you're not letting me finish. But you use that as your example. I did. Okay, that's of right. all the examples in this thick book, he used the fact that some innocents who did sacrifice their children on molten uh, idols, that God had them killed. That's what he used as his example to represent the book. I'm just pointing out how Sean, it works. Okay, now okay, continue on. If you want to get into that. Yeah, I don't. I, I want, want you to tell me what the sealed portions are. I've been trying. You've been interrupting me. Okay, do it. Okay, now I want to take you to your Bible. No, I want here's you to a tell question. me the sealed portion. There's a question that you need to answer about your Bible. Tell me the question about my Bible. And we are we are trying to get to your story. Then let me. On my show. Then, then let me do the it. The sealed portion, tell us how it relates to the my Bible. The sealed portion, like I said, is that fail safe. Okay. And when the Book of Mormon failed to do that was what it was intended to do. Okay. And that was to bring the American people a different idea. Okay. Okay. That failed to do that. The white man stole the Lamanites, the, the Native American Indian, the African Americans. They stole their prophecy. They stole their book, set up a church. Okay. Joseph was under mandate to let him do what they wanted to do. Okay. But the failsafe was the sealed portion. I got that point. Okay, so now when? continue. Because they failed, the, the, the Book of Mormon has failed in its intent. Okay. You bring the sealed portion out. As the failsafe. That's right. Okay, how did it come about? It came Ooh. about just like I said. Okay, so you had a Urim and Thummim. Because I was a Mormon. Okay, and I have free will, and I believed in the gold plates. Right. They had to be there. 
Okay, so the gold plates were there. The gold plates were translated by two rocks called the Urim and Thummim. Okay, and how did, did you look into the rocks? Did you the lay words the, come up? You lay the rocks on the plates, okay. just like I was trying to explain to you. Okay, I didn't hear here. that part. Go ahead. I said, if your Bible was written in Russian, okay. you could take a picture of your, if you knew somebody over in Russia, yeah. you knew, yeah. you could take your cell phone out, you could actually take a picture of the verse okay. and ask them to translate it. Very logical. And that's they would send the it back. That's how the Urim and Thummim works. Okay, that's all I wanted to know. So, and the Urim and Thummim, you translated the, the sealed portion, it came forward when? I'm just trying to get so our facts are. When did it come forward? Well, it was publicly translated and presented to the world in 2004. In 2004. October 2004. How has the world received it? Well, how do you think? The same way they received the Book of Mormon. They've received it very well. Have they? Yes, they have. Except for these people. What? You know, I almost saw that. In, I've almost seen that in a temple film. Well, there Except you go. Except these people. And that's uh, what we get to. Okay, yeah. so you got this dynamic, this religious dynamic, that now we can see is... His, his, pretty much entered all of our lives, even to the degree, possibly, that the most powerful human being on this planet is going to be a Mormon. Okay, so it would be very interesting to understand exactly how that dynamic progressed. And what I'm trying to say, if you get to interview me, get to know me more, you'll find that the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is not Joseph Smith's church. Nothing to do with him. It's Brigham Young's church. Yeah, I've, always, I've always maintained okay. that. We agree. But there are things about Joseph Smith and the history that you've got really, really wrong. Okay. Okay. These are. And, you can point those out in the show because you're going to be here three weeks next week and the following. So he's going to be here so we can, and we're going to take calls. I got, I got, my job is to keep the thing moving. Gotcha. Okay? Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. So, so uh, can we ask you that one scripture though? Because I know all these people want you to address this one thing. This is very important. It's in John chapter 17, verse 4. All right. Let's do it. Okay. I have no idea what you're going to say, but let's look at no, it. No, you just read it. Now let's set it up. Christ is praying to the Father. Christ is praying around his disciples, and he's praying to God. And he says, what does he say? John chapter 17, verse 4. Christopher is asking me to read it. It says, I have given, is this right? Them thy word, talking to the disciples, and the world hath hated them because they are not of this world even as I am not of this world. Now, okay. what are you reading there, young man? You got the King James Version? I do. Then I got the I wrong don't have word. a Urim and Thummim, dude. I have to read it from what I've got. No, I said four. Oh, what are you oh reading? four. I read 14. See? I read 14. What, That's why I asked what you, man. What devil got I... into you at that point? I have an idea. <laughs> uh, Verse four. Now, listen up, viewers. This is important. This is a very important thing that Christ said. Okay, here very we go. Very important thing that Christ very said. Very important. I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. Okay. So Christ said that before he was pinned on the cross. Okay. He had already finished everything that he was supposed to do before he was murdered. How so, do you explain that? So are we talking about uh, the work that the Father gave him to do? That's right. Okay. And the Father's work, could it have been that the Father's work was to train up the twelve? Very well. And could it have been that his work, out of his love, was to die on the cross? No. Oh, how come? Because he ran from the law. He didn't want to die. When he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, he wanted this cup to pass away from and him. he did the Father's will. He said, if there's any other way than me getting persecuted and having to die because there... these people yeah. want to kill me. And was there any other way? 
Well, there would have been if the Jews would have been a reasonable people and not wanted to kill a guy who simply taught them to said, love not, each other. Not my will, but thine be done. And That's he went right. To the cross. But he finished the work that he was supposed well, to do before he was pinned on that cross. Here is the problem that what we have with without me knowing. Let me come next week and let me go into you the do Greek that. and let's see what the Greek says about Very the word good. work. I like the Greek. Well, I'm sure like you do. You like, like the Greek. Yeah. Okay, so listen, Christopher, hmm? let's do some word association. Worthiness. What do you mean, word association? Worthiness. What does the word mean to you? Worthiness. A person who's comfortable with themselves and is happy with what he or she, how he or she thinks Guy and acts. Guy who rapes children? He's no, comfortable he's with not it? comfortable with that. He's not? Oh, no, he's not. Okay. A guy who lies? Perhaps. There's, so there's plenty worthy? of them that do. Is he worthy? In his own mind, he might be. So worthiness to you is someone who's comfortable with themselves. And happy with himself. And That's happy. Right. Exactly. Happiness. Okay. Honestly. Honestly happy. happy. Yeah, honestly happy. Okay. Not pretending to be. And happiness. So. Happiness. Yeah. Uh, truth. Truth is things as they are, as they really, really, really are, as they've always been, and as they always will be. There's no changing real truth. Okay. It'll be the same tomorrow, yesterday, and today. It's Re the same. Real truth is a redundancy. Okay. Well, whatever. Uh, Muhammad. What, what about him? It's a word association. What do you think? Muhammad was a true messenger. Are you? Yes. Why you? Why not? I could think of a lot of reasons. Why not? I, I, I don't, I, I, I don't. You said you could think of a lot of reasons. Can, Let's have one. I don't want to present them. <laughs> Please do. No, that's not my job. Well, you you asked. Why I, I, not? Why not? Okay, the, the reason why, why me. Why you? Why me is because I had put myself into a situation where advanced human beings with my free will, could intercede in this world, on this plane, what's going on, okay. and call somebody who had a broken heart, a contrite spirit, and would have pretty much done whatever they asked him to do. So you had the right heart, and God used you, the way he does other people. No, God had nothing to do with it. Okay, let's ask you another question. God. God is simply a human being's self-reality. Okay. There is nothing outside of oneself. That, that, that tells a person what to do, how to think. There is no influence for good or evil, but what is inside one's mind. So God mind. is within us. The kingdom of God is right there. Yeah. There's no such being. Okay. There's just me and you and any other advanced being in other solar systems. And if you can't see them and you're not talking to them like I'm talking to you, okay. forget about this so-called inspiration. Okay. Doesn't Listen, work. Inspiration, another word. Inspiration is a... Is a fool's way to prove to everybody else that they're not a fool. Okay. Because inspiration is simply making something up in your head. Let me give you an example. Okay. Scriptural example in Isaiah. Isaiah pretty much comes out and tells people, look, where am I at here? Where's your viewers? Right there. No, Isaiah you, would tell anybody, I don't know where I'm looking. Don't I'll just turn look that way. at you. It's not a good way to do it. I'll just look at you. But he tells people, don't trust in man. Trust in God. Only in God. Because we knew something about human nature. Okay. That when a person wouldn't listen to anybody, not you, not me, they would go in their secluded corner, wherever it might be, and start to really, really, really get into the depths of their own personality. Mm. And there is nobody out there except yourself. Mm. And Joseph Smith taught that in the Temple Endowment. I think we briefly went over this. Mm. Joseph Smith, what he left, just briefly, mm -hmm. he left in the Temple Endowment, symbolically, everything he wanted to tell the people that, but couldn't. Okay. And one of those was... Lucifer, that's another word, let's use that. Lucifer is simply human nature. 
Okay. Mortal human nature. That's all Lucifer is. It's the, the things that we do, the flesh, basically. Okay. And Joseph knew that the only answers we ever get, no matter who we're, we're praying to, is from ourself. Okay. And uh, that's why in the temple endowment, when Adam is praying to God for an answer, God is off nowhere to be seen mm -hmm. and have nothing to do with Adam. There's Lucifer. I'm the God of this world. What do you want? Which was typified of just that's the flesh. Our flesh responds. The flesh responds. Okay. There is no being outside of the human mind. Absolutely none. Audience, uh, hey, can we, can we do a close-up on Christopher here for a second? What, you want my best side? I want, I, want your, I want you to just look right at that camera and be as handsome as you can be. Yeah, okay. Just okay. Let me get next to you. Yeah, you're going to look ugly when you do that. I'm just kidding. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that's, what, that's what we're trying okay. to say. Go, go, go on. Get, what, do a close-up on Christopher's face. I need to drink your meth. There's nothing in there, baby. They didn't do as good. Okay, now listen to me. I want you to look at this. What we have here is we have a man who is teaching things that are absolutely contrary to the book that we propose is true on this show. That's exactly now, right. he shows up on the TV some night, or on your doorstep, or across the table with someone who's searching for truth. He's good looking, he's well spoken, he has ideas that are really unique and really interesting. And if you don't know what's in this book, and you, and you listen to this, you could believe that Satan is just your flesh. You could believe that there is no God and no church. I want to know from the LDS how you know the difference between Christopher and the message he's giving and the message that you are following in those uh, temples and churches that you go to every week. I want to know. I know where I get my truth. And I will, I will you know, look at, we could go to college professors. We could go through ad nauseum over history about the authenticity of the Bible. I mean, we could sit here for weeks and talk about it and just decimate the arguments that it's not trustworthy. But when we have somebody who's handsome and well-dressed who can stand up and tell a fairly good story, let me tell you, there's power. And people, look at they want to be led. They don't want to be responsible to that God. And so they create another fiction to make them feel comfortable. Christopher, another word association, sin. Now, first, I have to <laughs> negate everything he just said. <laughs> How do you negate? How do you negate, negate what like I this. said? <laughs> because you got me on there. I got to tell your listeners what he just said. There are more critical analyses of the Bible than of the Book of Mormon, and they make more sense than anything you'll ever read. All you have to do is be willing to open your mind Look up the critical explanations. For example, one little thing that I don't know if Sean knows about, and it's called the Egyptian Book of the Dead. Compare the Egyptian mythology of Horus being born from Osiris and Iris and Isis, and compare that with the story of Jesus. Joseph Campbell, his books covered that years and years ago. All under Norman Geisler explains that perfectly. So take the challenge. Keep your mind searching. Doubt it, but go and actually search out from reputable sources, not from someone who says, here is my mythology for you to embrace. Joseph Campbell, study him on myths and the uh, Old Testament. You'll have your answers there. All I'm trying to say is read the sealed portion. Read the sealed portion. Of course, because if this thing, which has been handed down for centuries and is uh, historically, is uh, evidentiary, is uh, linguistically, what? is manuscript <laughs> Where are you proven. getting this stuff? I get it from, from the simple facts of what the book is made of. No. But this is what they always <laughs> do, my friends. This is what Joseph did. 
He demeans the word no, of God. No, Joseph did not. In or, oh, yes, he did. No, it's Joseph the worst did thing not. he did. No, he Joseph said, as did far not. as it's translated correctly, that so, demeans it right there. Joseph. Let me tell you something. He produced another book because this one wasn't sufficient. He has produced another book because that book might not be sufficient. Everyone produces another book so that you'll read that book. Muhammad produced his. Everybody produces theirs. This is the book, and their first objective is to take your eyes off this one. It always has been. What vested interest, Chris, do I have to promote this book? What vested interest do I have? Now, you don't want me to say that. I do. do I want you to say it. What vested interest you, you is it? You sell products that say Jesus dot. You sell products Those on your website. But you, you sell things. Yes, not in related the, to the In to the, the name word. of Jesus. What do you mean it's not? It's not on your website. No, they're not related to the word. We don't sell oh. the word. We don't sell the word. Your vested interest is you got people. So it's money. That, no, no, no. I won't say that. There's a lot of, lot of different motivations for people okay. to, to become Bible believers. Okay. And be Bible teachers. What is it? What there are, are all kinds of them. Okay. And what I'm trying to say is you're not unique, my brother. There's I'm, many, I don't, I don't many, many unique. of you. I'm not unique. I am dirt, just like the stuff that But I am, think. with I all due respect. I know you are. Because there is no Because no you've been able written... to convince people of no. things that are from your mind. I'm asking people to do what you would. What's you're, that? You're asking people to read the Bible. Oh, okay, and right? you're asking them to do what? I'm asking them to read the Bible, then the Book of Mormon, and the sealed portion. Okay. And it will give you an understanding unlike anything you've ever had about religion, about God, about Jesus. And remember... It's all the center of it all. Uh -huh. We have some agreement there. Is this man called Christ? Now, we have different opinions of what he was like, who he is today, what he does, what his role is. But the simple thing is, the, the end of my message to this world are based on two practical laws, which you mentioned a little bit. They're just a little bit different. They're where you go to your Greek Bible. No, you're going to need uh, uh, Aramaic Forget it. Bible, just keep but going. Okay, and it's this. It, Jesus never said, love God with all your heart, might, mind, and soul. He said this, love yourself with all your heart, might, mind, and soul, and your neighbor as yourself. That's how it went down. That was the translation. Is that in the, what, did you say Aramaic? You, you go the, well, you're not going to find it because you're not going to find, well, Sean, you're not going to find anything. You're not going to find any original document for, to prove that this Bible was even legit. Oh, I agree with that. Not I, one. You I, think that you, you think I the agree. Vatican? You think the Vatican would at least have the Pauline papers? They have first, nothing. First premise: Don't trust the Bible. Second premise: Trust what I've provided. Joseph did the same thing. Word association. That's, that's sin. true. Sin. What do you do with sin? Sin is the absence of happiness. Wow, that is just radically uh, not true. Well, you got your version of sin, I got mine. Let me tell you something. I think pork rinds are probably eaten to an extreme, somehow sinful. And I am so damn happy if I can sit down and just scarf those down, Chris. So happiness related to sin no, is completely uh, a misnomer. Read, read John Stuart Mill and about utilitarianism before you comment about happiness. Because let me tell you what happiness is, Chris. You love money, I give you a million dollars, you're happy. I take it away, you're not. Happiness is totally circumstantial. You have based something on happiness here. Happiness is a lie in this world. It's a fallen world. You're going to get a cancer or you're going to get a toothache, and your happiness is going to go right out the window. It's joy we're talking about. That can be found only from knowing him. You have provided a happiness serum, but you have not provided joy. And that's why you have followers who think they've gripped onto something, but they do not have that joy. They have 
happiness. Have you happiness. talked to any of them? I don't need to. I don't need to. Come on. I don't need to. I mean, see, but you asked me, Sean, you said, what is sin? I said, the absence of happiness. I know, and I'm telling you that sin is, is that's what LDS have always said. Wickedness, never, wickedness like never was happiness. That's in your Book of Mormon. I'm sorry, my Not friend. Not my Book of Mormon. It, it is in the Book of Mormon. In the Book of Mormon. Yeah. There you go. Wickedness never was happiness. I'm going to tell you something. Wickedness is often happiness. Okay, so if that's the case, and let's go on that premise. Okay. I'm obviously a very, very wicked man. So, okay, so you're wicked. I'm a right. very wicked man. How come I'm so happy? Because wicked is happiness. What? You're, you're confusing us all. No, I'm not confusing anybody. Wickedness is happiness. Sin is the absence of happiness. That is totally incorrect. I am often very happy when I'm sinning. If I can pull over to the side of the road and punch somebody in the face who's cut me off, it makes me immeasurably happy. Oh, Chris. come on. Sean, no, 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 no. There's no good old happy. boy, come on. We're talking about John Stuart Mill utilitarianism. You are wrong. I don't wrong. care about Here John is, Stuart no, wait, Mill. No, wait, I know you don't care about him yeah. because he's based on logic. Okay. You have produced a premise that is incorrect. You asked sin me what is the sin, absence I gave of it happiness. to you. Okay, that's it. All right. So we go All on right. to your Fine. next. Um, <laughs> salvation. Salvation is simply when a person comes to know his or herself and they are happy with whom he or she is. I'm a child molester who loves killing dogs and eating raw tuna on weekends. Now, I love it. It makes me happy. Give me more children. Give me more dogs. That's salvation. Look, all you're doing is you're taking my words. No, I'm and just trusting you into, on your words, which oh, I don't oh, think's oh, happened yet. You're not letting me respond. Now. Do it. A child molester who kills dogs and is not a happy person. That's you know your, that. And now he you knows are that. reading into what they say. Now tell me. There's some very evil people on. who totally love evil, my friend. Are you kidding yourself? <laughs> I mean, there are prisons with people John. who have done a lot of evil things who aren't remorseful for it, and if they get out, they say, "I would do it again because it makes me feel." So good, Chris. Sean. Trefer. I'm going to tell you one more time. All right. Tell me one Sin more time. Sin is the absence of happiness. Yeah. And there are many, many free will people on this earth. salvation is? Salvation is when you've really got that happiness and know who you are. And there's all kinds of people out here in this world. Okay. You're going to reach your few little people who watch your show and stuff, little Christian Bible believers. But there are a plethora of individuals out there, especially the youth. So now we go to the world vision. Huh? We're, we're, we're talking about the people. They want to know. I'm going to tell you something. You few little peons who love the Bible, I will be here every week to just talk about the Lord and him. Good. And you be careful of these guys who have the world vision for the races and the, and the people who are you know, struggling because of their color. Because let me tell you something. Jim Jones, the people's temple, you know what he did? He established his whole thing after being so magnanimously concerned about the undertrodden and the blacks. And Guyana was filled with those poor people who followed him right out there into the jungle. And baby, the Kool-Aid came. So, Jim. Okay, so I mean, excuse Jim, me, Christopher. Sister. So, Jim, yourself. Now yeah. listen about this. Good to come so back. you're telling me that Christ is not an ecumenically universal person that would want equality throughout the world? Third point. We preach no Bible, we preach a new book, and we preach that ecumenism and openness, love, love, and Christ was love. And you see, what we do is we try to bring everybody in because everyone loves that. You know why? Because if you just love everybody, you're never wrong. You're just filled with love, and you can just, boy, God must love me because I just love everybody, including the child molester who eats the tuna and kills the dogs. Because it, Christ is ecumenical. But he said, straight as the gate narrows the way, few be there that find it in a book that we can't trust, you see. 
So we can't do that. So what did Christ mean when he said that? Now wait just a second. Straight so is the gate, near the way. Few be there that you're find it. What Christ, do you mean? You're showing, you're, you're demonstrating right now to your viewers and the, and the people Truth. who are watching this, yeah. you're demonstrating the way Christ would react Absolutely. With me. Like when he cleared That's the temple, what he would do. when he called them hypocrites, when he called them vipers, when he called them children of the devil, when he called them uh, temple, uh, whited sepulchers full of dead, dried bones. Did Jesus say those things? But how do you know because you can't trust this book? Or do you trust that book on those things? Jesus didn't say those things. He didn't. Who Not did? the Jesus that I know. Who, but what Jesus do you know? That's what I'm... You made up your own. No. Fourth point. No. A new Jesus. There's no... This is what he was about. Why don't you ask me that question? Because who, who what I'm Christ doing is you? I am showing to our audience that you are no different in terms of being a religious charlatan. You bring out the same things that have been, been are brought out for ages, Christopher. Now, I want to challenge you to something. And that is, why don't you admit on this show that you're a sinner? And why don't you admit that you need Jesus Christ in his real biblical form, and you've been conning people? Why don't you admit <laughs> that these people have followed somebody who does not have a heart for them? You have a heart for yourself. I am challenging you right now that you turn. And you get back to the book that way. Leave that Mormon crap alone. Leave your fake book out of it, Christopher. Come to him. Come to him. Which camera I got here? Right Anyone here? you want. Sean is up in the night. Doesn't know me. Doesn't know my Christ. Doesn't know anything about Who my Who is word. your Christ? You want me to explain it to you? Yes. Each solar system in this universe, each solar system has an overseer. We prove this how. Because you can look up there, you can see there's a solar system. We're seeing how governments work. They don't work very well, governments. correct? Now, let me well, get, you're asking me. I'm listening. You're I'm never not, let, you're not I'm letting me I'm trying to listen. Anything. I'm trying. Okay. Because I'm kind of following ahead. And you and say, to what? you're talking about Christ, and now you're talking about governments and space You're oddities. telling me to come to a Christ that does not even exist. Okay, perfect. And I'm trying to explain to you a Christ that to people out there who, who think outside of the Bible box I see. are going to say, Wow, now that guy makes sense, but you're not giving you. me a chance. Uh, because. Because why? This is a Christian show. I got you. You, can't, you asked you to come on the show. You, you, I got you. you, you you're you right. You asked to come on. I did not call you and seek you out. I've known of you for years. I didn't seek you. You asked on YouTube, I want to come on this man's show. So you're on a Christian show. Do you think I'm going to sit here and say, well, Christopher, you're just so charismatic and, and you have such wild ideas. You know, the Bible certainly couldn't be true. Or do you think I'm going to defend the thing that I know is right? No, what I what would like your viewers and others to do, take a look at his personality, his demeanor, his absence of happiness and joy compared to mine. I am not happy. I'm not a happy man because I'm living in a state, a bifurcated state of body and soul, body and flesh. How could I be happy when my spirit is calling for God and my flesh wants to take guys who lie and, and, and go at it with them? How can we do that? Paul said that, oh, wretched man that I am. I mean, that's the truth. We all have that. He's saying that you judge me because I'm passionate about the Lord, because he can keep a cool demeanor. You see, it's all about external. That's what Joseph was about. That's what the Mormon church is about. That's what Christopher is about. External presentation. He's gotten away with it his entire life. External presentation. And he's given it to you now. And he just appealed to it for you to say, look at how he's acting. He's not happy. Trust me. Fifth thing that they do. Christopher. What's the six? You can have all just, these you things. You have to talk. When you open your mouth, I come up with them. Well, the thing is, Sean, you're not giving me, and I can understand because you're basing it on Christian things. So let's go back to that. I, I think you probably want to get into your calls and stuff. But, I don't think we have a call, do we? The fact is, 
Sean's idea of Christianity and mine are completely different. What's my idea? Your idea is based on a biblical myth. Bottom line, what is it? What's my idea? According Men are sinful, Christ came, died for our sins, believe on him, be saved. Okay, now can I give mine? You sure, sure can. Christ is the overseer of this solar system. We needed a government head to one day rule the 15 billion plus of us that are going to live in this solar system. And that's who Christ is. Nothing more than a government head. He needed to come to this earth as a mortal in order to show us what a decent leader, how that decent leader would live. And that's what Christ is. There's nothing more. The Bible is myth. Did he have apostles? Yes, he had people that, that, that followed him, people that he told, if you're going to go out there and teach people, teach what I tell you to teach and base it on my doctrine, which is, as you put a great scripture up, Love people as I loved you. And I can tell you that Christ never treated people like Sean's treated me. Yeah, never, It's, it's always the thing they go to. Ever. It's always the thing. I just gave an example. Read Matthew 23. I know Read what was where, said. You do? But I can wait, say wait, this. Wait, wait, wait. What does Matthew 23 say? Now, I can tell you that no, you're a No, no, no. What does Matthew viper. 23 say? I'm not quite sure exactly But you're supposed to be the one who is the expert on the Bible. Come what on, is Matthew Sean. You told me no man on this earth knows the Bible better than me. What does John 17, 14 say? I never said I knew the Bible. You did. I would have to read it and give no, you a you context. You said no. Okay. All right. So but what I'm trying Matthew to tell 23 you. Matthew 23 has Jesus go through a whole chapter saying, woe to you Pharisees. Woe, you vipers. Woe, you ch I haven't called you any pejorative terms, Christopher. I've now, simply alluded to your uh, philosophy. You, I mean, Christ would call you actual names. Now, wait a minute. You don't what have... What do you mean, wait a minute? He would call you, you have names. A version, you have a version here so that's based on... So we can't trust on, that. No, you You're cannot. You're appealing to it, but then you don't trust no, it. I'm not appealing it to works? it. I'm trying to help They'll you and your Christians see this. They'll use it They'll use it insofar as it will serve them, but they will discount it insofar as it goes against what they have to say. Christopher, we're out of time. It's been a great time. Yeah. <laughs> next week, are you coming back? Sure. Because next week, we're just going to get started. All right. All right. Tune in next week as Christopher, the new Joseph Smith, joins us here on Heart of the Matter.